passed away. Sergei thought that this was quite an odd story, seeing that he has only met his uncle once. The man was a lawyer, and the man was there to inform Sergei that his uncle had absolutely no heirs alive. But back when Sergei was a, a young boy, he had met his uncle at a family gathering, a family reunion, and left such an impression that one time that the uncle decided to leave his entire fortune, $975 million, to this college student. Sergei went from having hardly anything to having, I'm sorry, it was $975 billion left to him. From nothing, a pauper college student, to being a billionaire. I don't know whatever happened to Sergei after that, but we, do, we can learn two things from this story. Number one, whenever you go to family reunions, always love on that uncle. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen at, at a family reunion. Secondly, you have to believe that an inheritance like that changed everything for that young man. His world was open to possibilities that he never thought we, he would ever experience. He probably traveled. He probably lived in lavish homes. He probably was able to eat food that he never was able to eat before. He's probably able to be generous like he had never been generous before. His life was radically different. And the same would be true for us if somebody knocked on your door and said, I have $975 billion, and it is yours. You are the sole heir. If we are a follower of Jesus Christ, if we believe in Jesus, His work on the cross and the resurrection was there to forgive us from our sin, you are going to receive an inheritance far greater than $975 billion. We don't know exactly what it is all going to look like. But if God promises to give us an inheritance, then we have to believe that it will make that dollar amount, that billion dollars, look insignificant. So friends, according to Ephesians 7, 1 verse 7, in Him we have redemption through the blood and the forgiveness of of our trespasses. If we believe in Jesus Christ, we have two things. We have redemption through His blood. We have forgiveness of our sins. And this sins, this forgiveness was lavished upon us. It wasn't just one time applied. It was lavished. It's like the ocean was constantly being poured on you, never ending lavished upon you in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery. The mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth is in Christ Jesus as the full plan, in the fullness of time to unite all things together. God saves us from our sin. And what does He do? He restores us. He restores us back to Him. But he doesn't stop there. I mean, that, that's great news. 
Our sins are forgiven. We have restored in a relationship. That is absolutely great news. But God also wants to give us something more. He wants to give us an inheritance. You don't just obtain salvation as wonderful and gracious as that is. But we also obtain an inheritance. And that should excite you. But it should also produce in you some questions. If you're a thinker, it should produce some questions. So we're going to talk through some of those questions. And here's, here's the first question. Why does God even give us an inheritance? What, what is the purpose of it? It, it, it would be enough for, for God in His love to just save us. You know, to throw out the buoy and say, alright, you're in. You're, you're, you're safe. At, you know, Scripture says that we, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And before He sa- saved us, we were enemies. We weren't just angry. We were enemies of God. We ran from Him. We threw up rebellions and fits. But He came in His grace. And He gave us Christ. But He didn't stop there. He gave us an inheritance. Why? God doesn't just save you from your sin, but He also wants to make you His son or His daughter. He wants you to be in His family. But when the fullness of time had come, Galatians said that God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. That's you and me, friends. So that we might receive, what? Adoption. Adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, here's the good news, then you are an heir through God. Galatians 4. Not only does He forgive you, but He also makes you a son or a daughter. Not not only His son or His daughter, but an heir. You receive an inheritance, friends, because you are incorporated into His family as His children. And therefore we are heirs. But what kind of heirs are we? I know that um, my children um, are wonderful children. And, uh, but they are not going to inherit $975 million or billion dollars. And uh, I also know that uh, we've got to ask the question, you know, if we did have that kind of money, how would we divvy it up? Who is going to be the favorite one? Is it going to be, yeah, they both raise their hands, right? And if everybody else goes, yeah, Mike goes, me, can I get in on it? You know, so, the, so what kind of heirs are we? So, Scripture doesn't just stop by saying that you're a son or a daughter and you have inheritance. It begins to talk about this idea of being heirs. What kind of 
heirs are we? And Romans chapter 8 says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness, testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and then fellow heirs with Christ. Okay, that's one of those, your mind should be blowing, the mic should be dropped, and you go, what is just happening here? So not only is God incorporating me into his family, and I get some kind of divvy, a piece of the pie, but I am, I am an heir with Christ? We are fellow heirs, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That means that we are not just getting any little pithy kind of inheritance. We are co-heirs with Jesus. You are not a second-rate heir or a B-class kind of team heir. You are not the red-headed stepchild kind of heir that gets like second hands. You know, the leftover kind of stuff. You, if you are in Christ Jesus, if you are in Christ Jesus, everything that belongs to Christ is going to be yours someday. Everything Jesus is going to receive as His inheritance at the end of the age, you are going to receive also apart from the worship. You do not deserve the worship. And if this is true, then it begs the question, what is that inheritance going to look like? So we found out that we're going to get an inheritance, and everybody is is kind of waiting for the lawyer to knock on the door and say, so what does the check look like? How big is it? We found out that we're co-heirs, so we know that we're sharing something with Christ, because God has adopted us into his family. But what's this inheritance going to be like? And interesting, interestingly enough, the Bible is kind of unclear about exactly what it's going to look like. It only gives us little glimpses and clues. And I think that's good for our soul. Because we're kind of greedy people. Right? I think it's also because the English language has a hard time of explaining how unbelievable it really is going to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man has imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. <laughs> so, you've seen some beautiful things. You've been to beautiful places. What your eyes have seen <laughs> pales in comparison. What, what you have heard, the most beautiful thing out there, a concert, a, some, some birds singing, uh, your children's voice of laughter, you're going, that is absolutely beautiful, pales in comparison to what is to come. What you have even imagined you put all these things together and you go, this is, this is the best thing. 
It pales in comparison to what God has in store for us. Nobody can even begin to imagine what God has prepared for those of us who love Him. 1 Peter chapter 1 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love how he starts off because he knows what's following is even greater news. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you why. Because according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born, uh, to be born again to a living hope through the re- resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and it is kept in heaven for you. As a parent, I go, I know why it's kept in heaven. Because if I had it right now, it'd be a disaster. Torn apart, destroyed, and it would be defiled. And God's going, no, hold on. I'm going to keep it in full for you someday. So Peter tells us that there's four things about this inheritance. We're going to get it when we get to heaven. We're going to get that full experience. Not, we're not going to get it all right now. Uh, secondly, that it's imperishable, it is undefiled, and it is unfading. Think about this. Let's kind of break it down. If it is imperishable, on earth, anything that you receive is going to be perishable. It's going to be defiled, and it is going to fade. Even Twinkies someday are going to perish away. Somehow. Any inheritance that you receive, think about this, any inheritance that you receive here on this earth will get old someday, it will get spent up, and it'll get used up. And if it doesn't get used up by you, it's going to go to your kids who are going to do what? They're going to spend it, use it, and it's going to be gone. So what makes this inheritance imperishable? It is imperishable because it is located in the imperishable person of the God-man, Jesus Christ. That is where it is located, and in Christ it cannot perish. Jesus Himself is our salvation. He is the Lord of righteousness. Our inheritance can no more perish than He can. He will never die. It will never go away. And neither will our inheritance and it's undefiled anything that we get here on this earth is defiled sin is involved in all the stuff that we have here on this earth you know that from your relationships don't you every relationship somehow is defiled by sin it is broken and have you ever even noticed how why nothing really truly ever satisfies you that one thing if i could just have this if i could have her if i could have him if we could have that somehow that's going to make me happy we have this idea that if we could just have this one thing in life this one thing if i could rub the genie's bottle once and make my one wish that one thing is gonna make me happy So we work really hard to obtain it. And we get it. And what is it? It's just life. And it's often a lot of work. And a lot of maintenance. So we decide that there must be something else that we need. So I move on to the next thing. 
So we work harder to obtain that thing and only to realize that that thing does not fulfill the thing that your soul really desires either. And the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in every man's heart. Eternity. Not just in the heart of Christians, but He put something in the heart of every man, every woman, every child about eternity. And the reason that nothing on this earth ever truly satisfies us is because non-eternal inheritance kind of stuff does not satisfy that eternal longing. It will all pass away. It perishes. It's defiled and broken. But Peter adds another piece, right? He talks about how it's unfading. Our inheritance is on earth always fades. Anything that you acquire will fade. Everything fades except in heaven. What we will have in Christ is an enduring possession. As creatures of this world, it's hard for us to imagine color that will never fade. Every house that we have ever lived in, every vehicle that I have ever owned has faded. It does not matter how much wax I put on it or how well I clean off the exterior of my home or keep my children's grimy fingers off the walls of the house. It fades. But our heavenly inheritance will never fade. There's an excitement, an eternal excitement that will never fade. Uh, there will be, a, it has a value that will never depreciate. Because our inheritance is not of this world. Its glorious intensity will never diminish. God is saying, I am making all things new. Which brings us to that heavenly peace. Scripture promises us, promises us an inheritance that we're going to get because we're in Christ and it is imperishable. You don't have to put it back in a box. It's, it's undefiled. There's no sin in it. You, you'll get to enjoy it and, and it will satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. It is unfading. And the day that you die, you are going to wake up in the arms of Jesus Christ and He's going to give Himself and you are going to say, Oh man! Jesus! And this inheritance, this eternal inheritance, and then three hundred billion years later, you are going to go, oh man, look at this. Each day, you are going to say, how did he do this? You know how when you go on a vacation, we went to Colorado, and you wake up in those mornings and you go, I don't believe this. Look at these mountains. They are beautiful. Look at these creatures. Look at this mountain stream. Look at this. Isaac and I took a, 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 a hike all the way through this mountain, and we about felt like we about died. It was exhausting. But what we saw was awe-inspiring, and it pales in comparison to what we are going to see, and that's going to be every 
time that we open our eyes. Look at that. Charles Spurgeon described our inheritance when he was preaching on this same text, and he said this, We have obtained an inheritance, and the man who can truly say that the Lord is mine has an inheritance which death cannot wither, which space cannot contain, which time cannot limit, and eternity cannot explore. Think about that. You are going to be on a forever odyssey exploring the glories and the beauties of your inheritance in Christ Jesus. It's going to take eternity. Think about that. It's going to take eternity. There's no time on that. It's forever to explore this inheritance. And friends, I cannot wait for this. And the greatest clue that the Bible gives us about what our inheritance will be like is found just a couple verses later in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him. You feel the, the ramp up, what He's doing right here? When, you, when this all happened, and, and you believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So the, the word pledge or guarantee in the Greek is arabon. And it is a, a common business term used in Greece, meaning a down payment. A down payment was made. It was this, a little piece of the whole price as a promise that you're going to give them a piece now, but you're going to come back later and pay off the whole thing. And the Bible is saying that the, the Holy Spirit is the arbon. The guarantee, the pledge, the down payment of your inheritance. And God is giving us the Holy Spirit now. Right now. You have the Holy Spirit. But He will come back. God is going to come back and He is going to take us home. And give us all of Himself forever. And, and, and you know, why Christians can handle funerals differently? This. We mourn differently because we go, I, my heart breaks and I love this person, but I have hope. And my grandfather, my grandmother, my child, my uncle, my aunt, my spouse, they are experiencing this, uh, this eternity that cannot even be explored right now. Right now. And we get a taste, friends, of that inheritance and what it's going to be and feel like through the Holy Spirit's presence. Some of the most amazing moments in my life of when I have been keenly aware of of God through the Holy Spirit. My salvation, when, when the scales of my eyes and my heart fell off, and I go, I understand. Oh my word, Jesus. Oh my word, my sin. Oh. 
the presence of the Holy Spirit at that point. The, the, the moments where I, I enjoy preaching and all of a sudden it, I, I'm in this, <laughs> I don't want to go too far with this, but it's this holy bubble with the Holy Spirit. God with me in this moment. And God using me by His Spirit to bring the Word of God to bear. Those moments in prayer, just crying out, God, what are you doing? And I, I don't understand. The pain is so immense and it's, it's confusing and I don't understand. And God says, I am here with you. Nothing gets close to how the presence of God feels in my life in those moments. And I've never felt more at peace or at home or enjoy in those moments when I know that I'm experiencing God's presence in those moments. Nothing. Not, not money, not possessions, not good food, not Christmas morning, not vacation, nothing, uh, none of it is close to what it feels like to experience the presence of the Lord. And we get to enjoy the presence of the Lord right here, and right now. But God promises us, friends, that there is a day coming. There is a day coming when we will get to experience the fullness of God's presence forever. Soak that in, would you? For eternity. The, the full presence of the Lord. There is, sin will never be in the way anymore. We have peace with God and we are experiencing it outside of our broken world and our broken bodies and our broken thoughts and forever we will be enjoying fully that experience that Adam and Eve once experienced but probably even far more grand. Enjoying it. Because we understand what Christ has done for us. By grace you have been saved. Holy cow. God, help me to sing again. So I don't know fully what that inheritance is going to look like. I'm not going to tell you how big your mansion is going to be or what your new job in heaven is going to be. But if you're a desk clerk in heaven, you're going to enjoy that desk clerk job. Whatever it is, it is going to be beautiful. I just know that Paul says, no eye has seen it, no ear has heard it, no heart could imagine what God has prepared for us. But there's one more piece here, and it comes in verse 18. And as I, in my sick body, sat in my bed reading through this and trying to go through the Greek text and say, okay, what is going on? It felt like Paul is kind of dropping a bomb on me. And it is, as I'm thinking about it, it is one of the most amazing kind of verses here. He's talking about an inheritance, but he's no longer talking about our inheritance. So all, all up to, so let me just read it. Verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And you're going, okay, well, that doesn't sound like a big deal. But through the whole first chapter, Paul is talking about our inheritance. What is going to be ours? And then all of a sudden, Paul stops 
And, and he prays that we would know the riches of the glory of his inheritance. He, he doesn't say the glorious riches of our inheritance, but rather God's inheritance. Who are the saints? Who are the saints? We are. We are those saints. We are God's inheritance. It sounds odd, doesn't it? That we are God's inheritance? God has everything in heaven, doesn't He? God has everything on earth. But one thing. He already has the imperishable, undefiled, and unfading glory of heaven. That is all His. He has the Trinity. He has Himself, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is in perfect harmony. And it is absolutely beautiful. The only thing that God has to look forward to in heaven that He doesn't already have is what He has purchased through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that is you. You! God, this sounds odd because some of us are kind of stoic, reformed people. God wants you. Believe it or not, God wants you. He wants to spend eternity with you. Think about that. I know what some of you are thinking. You're going, but do you know the things that I have done? You're struggling with the idea that God loves somebody like you, much less that He would want to make you His Son, a co-heir with Jesus, and to give you an inheritance. And Listen, I don't care. I don't care what you are currently in right now. I don't care what sin you're involved with or how unworthy you feel. Friends, that is why Jesus Christ died to pay for that sin. That is why He died. To make you a son or daughter. To give you an inheritance that is imperishable, unfading, and undefiled. And you are His. His inheritance. Friends, that is why we call Good Friday good. That is good news. Christ died so that this could happen. He took upon all your sins. All your sins. Past, present, future. Took them upon Himself after living an absolutely perfect and holy life. He took upon Himself all your sins and paid the price, the penalty. He took upon God's wrath for you. And what did He do? He gave you all of His righteousness. All of His holiness. Towards what end? To purchase you. God wanted you. Not because you're worthy. Not because you're good. But because He loves you. 
And that is why we are going to come back on Sunday. Why we are going to celebrate the resurrection where he seals the deal. That is why God looks at you and says, I want you to be my inheritance. So if you will trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. You will be a son or a daughter. You will be an heir with Christ Jesus. And you will receive an inheritance. And not only that, you're going to be God's inheritance. Spending eternity with Him. He will be yours and you will be His. Amen? So friends, we're going to continue. I'm going to pray and then we're going to praise. Praise Him with two more songs. And I pray that your heart will be glad. That this will connect in your heart and your head and that will make your heart sing for joy. I love that we sing as a church. I want you to sing for the right reasons. This is a foretaste of that eternal kingdom that we are going to be a part of someday. So let's pray. Father God, This, for us, should be just mind-blowing things. Even if, even if we thought that we understood it clearly before, this should just send us into a tizzy of praise and worship. We should think more clearly about Your grace and Your mercy and Your power and Your love towards us. It should make us think more clearly about our brokenness and our need for Christ again today. Lord, may we never tire of this gospel, this good news. That Christ came, Christ died, and Christ, thanks be to God, is risen. So Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this immeasurable gift of grace. And may we never take for granted this inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. And we say together, Amen. Let's stand and sing.